So I, I started uh, paying me at home with, with no clients. I think uh, within the first six months, we had $600,000 turnover. The next uh, year, it was $9 million and then $15 million. Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate and highly favoured, Jermaine Muller. Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this week's episode, I've got Ian Lindgren from Pay Me. Uh, how are you today, Ian? Oh, I'm really good. Thank you, Jermaine. No worries. So, Thanks for joining nice us. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a cold, cold morning um, in Canberra, um, but it's nice to be talking to someone who can sympathize uh, with, with what I'm feeling. <laughs> Tell no, I certainly can. It's only going to get warmer. <laughs> Hopefully, and then it'll get too hot. But that's Canberra for you. <laughs> um, tell me, tell me a bit about Pay Me before we get started. Oh, Pay Me. I reckon my wife always says that Pay Me is an accidental company, mm-hmm. uh, and it really is. When I sit back and think about it, there's a bit of a story to it. I uh, I had twenty uh, twenty one ideas in the regular army, and then got injured uh, in my last deployment to. Um, Egypt and Israel. Uh, there's an area called the Sinai Peninsula, which where, where I worked, I got injured in there. Nothing too bad physically, but uh, it, it's effectively stopped me from working full time since the year 2000. And uh, so, so pay me uh, kind of came about as that because I essentially had to work from home uh, to do something. I either had to retire totally or do something. And um, so I, I started uh, paying me at home with, with no clients. Uh, with no idea about how to do uh, or run a business uh, because I'd always been in the, in the army. I think uh, within the first six months, we had $600,000 turnover. The next uh, year, it was $9 million and then $15 million. And Thankfully, it didn't quite grow that fast every year because it would have given me a lot more grey hairs. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it just boils down to some simple recipes and we've had a great time. I didn't stay inside our house for that long and and we've got a few offices around the country now, and it's a a, a, a service that helps um, uh, white collar contractors. Yeah, that that's amazing. So, looking at your website, uh, you are Australia's largest contractor payroll company. Um, have you stayed within Australia, or have you thought about going across the pond, so to speak? Uh, we have actually operated all over the world. Uh, certainly didn't didn't didn't. Uh, uh, shy away from trying uh, new business lines. Mm-hmm. But what I found was that for very good reasons, the Australian employment and payroll market uh, has a lot of regulation around it to protect people like you and me and, and uh, everyone that works in Australia. Those protections, they aren't there in the rest of the world. So, uh, for example, if I was speaking to an American company and suggested that someone needed to have maternity leave or, heaven forbid, paternity leave, Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they needed, you needed to actually, it was your responsibility if you if you paid someone in Australia, that if they asked for it, they, they, they were entitled to it. These types of things blew people away overseas. So in the end, I, uh, I didn't pursue those business lines because the, the battles to convince people that when you operate in Australia, you've got to operate the way we operate, it became too, too, uh, too large. So yeah, we, uh, yeah. just boil things down to having fun. Because there's no use working unless you're having fun. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, um, 
having fun because I think that that fun means that you're passionate about what you're doing or you're at the very least you're enjoying what you're doing, which I think everyone should, should um, aim to do because that's when you, I think do your best work Um, because if you're not really having fun or enjoying what you're doing, then there's probably something else that you should be doing that um, could be. And you can learn some, some huge lessons from that in, in, in business as your business grows. And we often say people do business with people they trust. And yep. uh, if you have trust, you have fun and you really enjoy supporting each other. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that trust component is really important as well. I mean, you've been in business for a lot longer than I have, but um, you, you do realize that it, it is all about trust. You can sign all the contracts and do all, all that fun stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if there's no trust in it, then um, as I like to say, there's no point turning back to a sheet of paper with some, you know, ink on it. Um, if, if, everything was to fall apart because because what's that going to do at the end of the day exactly exactly and it affects the whole team not just yourself if you really have that cohesive that cohesive team at work um everyone feels the pressure if something isn't working yeah yeah and it it sort of makes you feel like like so future theory um my business we're a we're a family business. Um, my brother's involved in it, and you know, we we try and sort of spread that that family feel. And I, I just find that having that sort of level of rapport as well just means that you're you're a unit and you're working towards a common goal, and you're helping you you want to help your customers and your clients, and they become part of the family. And you know, when they're doing it tough, especially given COVID and and everything else that we're sort of um, experiencing at the moment, working from home, um, it's in, I think just really important that you you bring back those probably old school um, or or you know someone would call them old school sort of business values, but um, it certainly stood out to me as important. I know, like I think that it's very true and. Uh, like your business, our business is a family business. Every single person in my family is in the business, including my daughter-in-law. Uh, wow. So it's it really truly is a, a family business across all four companies. Because really, yeah, it's greater yeah. than pay me. It's it's uh, you have a, another a smaller company, uh, a payroll company called Just Pays. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to protect ourselves and diversify, uh, we, we have a, a car leasing company. Uh, which is Canberra's only car leasing company, by the way, just a little marketing plug there, I suppose. <laughs> um, but we also have a, a recruitment company, uh, again, one of Canberra's oldest recruitment companies called Effective People, which we acquired a few years ago. But it, it just gives us the, that stability and the variety for the family members to, to operate in and, and make sure we've got some longevity. So that we're Yeah, that's amazing because you... You run the, the the four businesses together with your wife, is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Both she I mean, and I are, are essentially a board for, when, for, for want of a better word, and, advi- and, and we have one external advisor, our, our, our accountant, so that mm-hmm. to keep us honest, to ask what we're doing. Yep. Uh, but we also, outside of that, we have our, our children that say the same thing and, uh, and can question us, and that's, I think, very wise so that you don't don't accidentally make errors. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It's it's just it sounds like a truly sort of family business. Now, when did you start all this? Was it in the early two thousands? Did you say? Yeah, it was. It yeah. After I got injured, I had about a year resting on my back because I couldn't move, mm-hmm. and uh, then I, I tried to um, uh, work again, but I uh, I just I just couldn't. And uh, uh, although I tried to consult back into defence, it, it just w- wouldn't work. So I started this a bit. But, January 2005, 
with just myself and and this office actually that I'm, that I'm sitting in right now, mm-hmm. and that's where I, that's where I figured that I'd stay for the for the rest of my working life because I was told I, I wouldn't be able to work any further uh, than that yeah, yeah. from from a medical point of view. Wow. Now, so uh, if, you don't, a, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I'm uh, 58. 58. Okay. So you were sort of mid to late 40s when, when all this happened to you. What yep. was it like? Did, did you have a feeling of having to start afresh, having to start anew? Was, was, that, was that sort of one of the sensations or one of the things you had to get past? It was. It was a, I always liken it to, um, you, know what, you know what it's like when you leave school? You have those butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got another career to go to. And that's essentially what, what I, I likened it to. It was, um, do I take this big step forward uh, into something? And um, do I back myself? And I did. Uh, my wife uh, supported me by, by working full time uh, in the public service. And, uh, and, we, and we went from there, um, just following a, a simple recipe to uh, what I thought was really important. Things that I've always, as you said before, the simple old fashioned things in life sometimes are, are more effective than the more complex highly theoretical ways that people approach things these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always think that you know, a leader, uh, if you are fair, firm and friendly, you're a good leader. I'd probably add the word authentic these days, but that, those are the things that, that I've always um, focused on uh, rather than any greater theoretical you know, approach to it. Certainly studied them, but that's, the, that's what it boils down to me. Now, give us an idea across these four companies. Um, I know we, we, we're talking about pay me in, I guess, uh, with a bit more focus, but across the four companies, how many uh, staff do you sort of manage? Uh, not a large amount, uh, 28. So uh, we, we have, uh, I think, 20 in, uh, or 18 in Canberra, mm-hmm. 18 in Canberra across across uh, three companies uh, out of Deakin. And my wife manages those on a day-to-day basis. We have another eight for our car leasing uh, company spread between Canberra and Brisbane. And we have a manager that, that manages uh, that on a day-to-day basis, but uh, throughout the day. But to start every day, uh, we zoom in and huddle with what we call huddle uh, with everybody in the company. Every, every company runs to the same beat. Uh, oh, and, uh, wow. Okay. So across all four companies, everyone meets on Zoom. Did you say yep. every day? Every day. And for every how long day. does that happen usually? Uh, it goes for it goes for about 10, 10 to twelve minutes, and mm. it's kind of the core focus of, of uh, doing business for us. We, we follow what's called the Rockefeller habits, which is a habit. If you have a habit, then usually it happens every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, our days our days start at um, eight forty five in the morning, where where everybody zooms in and everyone goes across the three most important priorities that uh, they've got to do today. Uh, the three or four uh, pieces of interesting data that they uh, that they achieved yesterday, and perhaps I think probably the most important thing: what are the stucks that are holding you back? And they could be stucks like uh, the computer system's broken, or my husband's being a pain, if you're, if you're my, my partner's being a pain, just to give a bit of a laugh, uh, or it can be something serious, and it just binds the team together. Everyone gets synchronised, and it can be things like. Oh, I haven't been able to communicate with Alliance Leasing yesterday. I haven't been able to communicate with Pay Me. And usually it's just a human factor and we just get over it on the spot, sort it out, and uh, 
sorted out offline afterwards and it gets the whole whole group synchronized every day wow that's really amazing and interesting i've never heard of that that sort of approach to it and and i can see the the real benefits and no doubt um it also i think helps everyone operate as a family because you're sort of sharing the things that are the annoyances the little wins the little the little you know not so great things uh, mixed in with with all the all the good stuff um have you guys been doing that even before sort of this work from home COVID sort of situation that we're dealing with? Yeah, we've been doing it since 2010, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. From wow. 2006 to about 2010, I reckon I just, I essentially ran the companies with, with my wife's support and the team's support and just did the best I could, like anybody does. We all do our best. We all try to analyse, you know, how can we do it better? And like most people, I was stuck in that rut of having a weekly meeting. You know, which, which essentially goes over everything that we covered through the dart through the week. And then we came across um, the Rockefeller Habits, which is based on you know, John D. Rockefeller, uh, which is, uh, and the way he, did, he, he, he performed uh, his daily functions. And, and the way he started work every day was that he, he walked to work uh, with his senior executives and they effectively huddled. They, they talked about the things that were going on. Uh, and then they then, when they got to work, you know, talked to their, to their team members. Uh, and everyone was was synchronised. So that's that's essentially why we we took that process up, and then it goes on from you have this kind of a beat to the way you do business. You go day 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 week. Uh, so you go the same process all through the day. You get to Friday, and Friday's the day where where you, you um, cover off on the key pieces of information that you might have heard of uh, during that week. What your competitors are up to. Um, you might, uh, I think monthly, we do specific training. So we have this, this routine where it's day, 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 week, day, 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 week, day, 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 month, and day, 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 month, day, 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 quarter, where the quarterly meetings are actually even focused on wow. quarterly themes. And if we stick to that, mm-hmm. everybody, doesn't matter what company you're in, or even if you move down to Canberra for a little while from, say, Brisbane or from our Perth office, come to Canberra, you just synchronise right in. You just feel as though you're in the same office. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. I, I mean, it, it's really that sort of, you, you use the word beat and I would say you, you sort of, your heartbeat sort of starts to sink and then um, without getting too sort of philosophical, I mean, the the staff are really, or the humans behind a company are really the, the heartbeat of a, of a company. So you're just really synchronizing it all across the board so that um, you are all on the same page, you're you're sharing the wins, the failures. Um, and and I think it gives a nice opportunity. 10, 10 15 minutes isn't a significant amount of time, um, but it's enough that you can quickly rattle off any any points. And then if someone has, you know, someone hears it and goes, oh, I know exactly what I need to talk to Jermaine about. When this happened to me six months ago, this is the approach that I took. Or, you know, when when XYZ company um, isn't very responsive, all you got to do is call Mike um, at, at regional, whatever. And you just, just sort of solve those problems that if you're doing that weekly, it starts to become this droning, like 10 to 15 minutes is is worst case scenario bearable worst case scenario and 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 there's an art to it you you should stand up you know because most people sit down they get all relaxed and nice and comfy and cuddly and and you tend to waffle a bit sometimes if you stand up it's just boom 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 uh, and you're through it and then the day starts and anything that anything that was raised during the day that's like a stuck well then you take it offline and sort it out offline 
is why it's called yeah, yeah, definitely. I think <laughs> I think because um, you can fall into the trap of sitting down, getting a coffee. That's warm, you know. Yeah. You, you you don't really want to get into the day. And you just end up, oh, you know, if we, if I rattle on for five or 10 minutes, then maybe the next person will, and that'll become a half an hour, 45 sort of minute excuse to not, not get your day started and oh, just yes. procrastinate. So and you've just got to have um, total trust and things like that. But I'm sure you'll ask me about that later. Trust is just so important and um, knowing everyone's strengths and weaknesses really just enhances it. Yeah. That, that, that is something that I, I want to touch on now that's why I asked you how many people you manage and you've got remote locations as well, or, or, you know, locations that are remote to where you're based from. So you've got 18 staff in Canberra based out of Deakin, and then you've got say another 10 spread out elsewhere. How do you, how do you manage what everyone's doing and how do you keep, keep on top of um, everyone's tasks and, and especially as you sort of scale up, because when it was just yourself, would have been very easy because you just check in, check in with yourself and make sure that you're on track. And then what was sort of the next jump from that? So six months in, I think you said you're doing about 600K in revenue. Yeah, I think for me, the, the key thing is, um, is having the right staff, staff that have the same uh, core values as yourself. Uh, you know yourself from running a business, you, you tend to be a workaholic. <laughs> Many people would characterize you as a workaholic. Someone that, that if you've got something to do, you don't go home at the end of the day or you don't leave it undone. And um, to find people that can actually work in the same way, even though they're not the owners, is difficult. So for us, we, 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 we have a set of core values that, that, we, just, that we, uh, we outline. They're very simple, uh, uh, just, uh, just four of them. And, um, and from there, uh, we, we, we uh, bring our people on and train them and we find that probably about only one out of five people get through our, our, our probation period because it's, it's hard to demonstrate the, the same core values that we have, the desire to know that the people out there that, that are using our services actually pay us. So they're the people we've got to look after, not, 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 not the boss or, or anybody else. It's yes. the people that you're giving, giving, giving services to because ultimately they, if you don't please them, then your business goes out of business and, and your job disappears. So, uh, so yeah, no, we, we, um, we focus on, 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 on the core values, what, what people display, um, how, uh, how, how, their, their uh, written expression, their uh, verbal expression, and uh, and just willingness to just to get in and do do the job throughout the day, and not just um, I know it sounds terrible clock watch, but you know if if you have a, a twelve thirty uh, lunch break for an hour, well look just have your lunch break throughout the day sometime, uh, because you never know mm-hmm. like uh, when your clients are going to call up and need your help, and if you have a team member that's willing to just put their lunch down. Uh, go and help them and then come back and finish their lunch and maybe, you know, take a half hour earlier off that day because they, they missed the whole lunch period. That's a great private business model, you know, uh, and it doesn't take away, I don't, I don't think it takes away from the fact that you're, you're, you're removing any of the, the workplace rights, so to speak, for the people because you, uh, you give to your team and they give to you and then it's a, it's a, it's a good team environment. That's it. I think like you mentioned, especially given that, given what, what services you guys offer, um, Australia is very, 
legislated. There, there are a lot of rules and things in place to make sure that everyone's it's, it's fair. Um, and I think that's, that's a very good, um, but you shouldn't see it as sort of this rigid thing because, um, just cause your, you know, lunch breaks from 1230 to one thirty. like you said, if something goes wrong at 1225 and it's going to take you half an hour to fix it, you would hope that someone would fix that rather than saying, start, start at five minutes in and then say, okay, it's my lunch break. I'm going to go fix the problem later, despite, you know, having started working on it and despite it being a clear issue that needs to be exactly. remedied. And I feel that people should feel comfortable to ask because I think I've been in some workplaces in my life where I, I haven't been comfortable to ask for time off. Um, you know, I can, in fact, I remember when my wife had a second child and I asked my, my boss for time off and he said, no, mate, my, when my wife had a second child, I was 20,000 uh, kilometers away in Vietnam. So you're not having any time off. Uh, you know, whilst he was a great guy and a great leader, I didn't I didn't agree <laughs> with that. And I, and I don't now, you know, for us, we, we, we say to people, look, you know, if you've, if you've got a swimming car on today for one of your kids, well, look, you know, that swimming car lot is never, ever going to occur again. If your son or daughter comes number one today, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. So go and do it. But what we, what we just ask in oh, return is yep. just, you know, extra couple of hours one day or, or something simple, a real flexible model. Just, just make up for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, as we, as we were talking about, it doesn't have to be that rigid, you know, okay, you, you miss out on this period of time, make sure that every, every hour is counted or, or else Ian's <laughs> exactly. going to come back and say, you know, Jermaine, where, where's, that, where's that 15 minutes that you should have given us? Um, because that's not what it's about. It's about sort of collectively working towards this goal. And, and often it is just helping clients and, and um, making sure that they're happy. Now, talk to me a bit more about pay me. So um, you guys do contract and contingent worker payroll. So are you a software company or are you? No, what, what, no. What you... in fact, it, um, what we really are is, in simple terms is we're an outsourced payroll company. So okay. that, that, I've used some, in, some industry language there uh, and, and it's for um, uh, optimization on the, on, the, on the website. Mm. <laughs> but, but really what it is is, when a, uh, a person goes to a recruitment company, and I say, for example, an information technology contractor, goes to a recruitment company, gets a job, say, in defence, uh, quite often these people are, are um, well-paid fellows and, and, and women, and they're experts in their field, and, they, go, and they, they, they would normally be paid by a recruitment company. But a recruitment company's core business is to, to place people in a job not to give complex payroll services. So if they, for example, need car leases, salary sacrifices, salary packaging, superannuation salary packaging, and uh, some flexibility in, in, in when they get paid and how they get paid, um, they, uh, they request our services and, and the recruitment company outsources the payroll to us. How they do that is a matter of conjecture and probably out of the scope of today, but... Uh, that's really what it boils down to is, is we're an outsourced payroll company. Right. Okay. So you, you effectively, yeah, just provide payroll services as, as just one sort of business system exactly. um, that is independent of, of the recruiters. Exactly. And I, I know that um, doesn't sound all that exciting, but you know, from, from when you're an employee uh, and you look around at your, your own payroll element within your company, uh, you know, you just wait for your pay each week. 
what, what we do is we act as the outsourced payroll component for the companies that we look after. And we have more contact with uh, their employees than, than they do on pay issues. Mm-hmm. It's Monday. It's, a, it's a, Again, it's a routine, could I say. Monday morning, their timesheets come in. If their timesheets aren't in by 11 o'clock, then we text them, call them, email them, but usually call them. Say, hello, Bob, haven't got your timesheets yet. And they might have some issues that um, their supervisor's not there, so they haven't got it approved. Their recruitment company, in most cases, won't pay them that week. Now, I know that because I used to be a contractor. Mm -hmm. So what we do is if we understand that their their supervisor's not there, we still assure them that we're going to pay them, even though their recruitment company might not pay us. So it's a, you know, their recruitment company might pay us the following week. So it's it's overcoming a lot of those those hurdles to that that uncertain um, work uh, arrangement that people have when they when they undertake labour hire arrangements, and when we put some certainty back into it so that they have a guaranteed pay day. So it's Monday timesheets in, Wednesday pay slips go out, Friday morning. If the money's not in the bank in Friday morning when you wake up, you just call us, and we have it to you within thirty or forty minutes. That's amazing. So you're essentially adding a layer of of almost certainty sort of almost a certainty of being an employee in terms of your wages and what your what your benefits are but then but then you're a contractor so i guess as a as an employer you you get the benefits of not having the same risks or having having sort of a different different profile um so it's sort of um basically someone who works with with you uh with pay me gets gets the best of both worlds because contractors generally have higher higher pay rates but then um in turn you know you you lose xyz employee benefits so that's really interesting i didn't i didn't realize that there was a market um to what you guys do um is it is it quite a big market would you say we we operate australia-wide and um okay we look after at the moment just just under a thousand people Mm -hmm. uh we pay it throughout throughout a year uh, we would pay uh, four to five thousand people. Uh, they, they do come and go, uh, but at the moment it's it's regularly a thousand. So and, and that's in every state. So we pay them on behalf of their employer, which is you know, I won't go into the boring you know uh, uh, legislative side of the house, but <laughs> yeah. it's important. It is important that they're not our employees. You know, we yes. pay them on behalf of their employers and we are, we quite often have such a close relationship with them that, and, and the team talk to them on the phone rather than just send them an email. The first thing is talk and you talk and understand about their family, everything else and whether they've got problems like, you know, heaven forbid that we, we've had issues where people have, uh, you know, lost a partner and, and they're suffering financial stress and they don't ask to their employer for some help. But we might just give them a, you know, a couple of weeks worth of, of an advance and say, look, go and look after yourself uh, and then come back uh, to us when, when you've, you've come back to work. And people like that, they, when those types of things happen, they, they, they stay with you and they value the fact that they might pay a little bit more for the service, uh, but they have a continuity of uh, financial support. It doesn't matter where they work. So we, we essentially act as a hub for them. They might work for, say, People Bank right. for six months. Um, they might work work for Paxis uh, at another one of Paxis's clients. But pay me is always paying them. Uh, if they uh, uh, if they want to go to a, they want to maintain the same person that provides them with uh, tax support uh, for the year. 
then our outsourced uh, tax agent uh, provides them that support. And, and, and we've had people using, using these services, even car leasing services for us, since 2006. That, that's amazing. So um, you, you almost become, again, like this, this friend for, for these people that adds a layer of, because um, being a contract, I would imagine, I've never been one, but you, you do jump from six-month contract to six-month contract to three-month contract. And then there's, you, you just become almost um, this, this asset that comes in, does what they need to do, and then leaves. That, that would obviously make it difficult to build ongoing work relationships with people because you're just jumping from place to place. So you guys are sort of adding that layer of um, at the very least, as far as their pay is concerned and their tax and, and all that side of things, there's this regular contact who's um, and it sounds like you, you could almost, it's almost in your interest to continue to serve them rather than necessarily serving the, the employer, so to speak, so that you can build yeah. this rapport. Uh, we, we try to focus on both. Yeah, of course. We really do. Uh, but, you know, we have you know, four core values. And the first one is, you know, contractors are our priority. Um, and then everybody is important, which includes their, their own employer, the recruitment company. Uh, our actions speak louder than words. So getting in there and personally helping people with them and growth through innovation, they're our four core values. Keeping it, keep it simple. And, um, and through that, uh, certainly, I think over the years, as we've got more regulated in the Australian, you know, workplace environment, I've been mentored by one of the industry barristers, employment barristers, uh, and I'm one of those people that really enjoys employment law and mm. uh, and contract law. So it's very easy for someone that works in the contracting field to actually not know who their employer is to suddenly find that they don't have work workers' comp insurance, for example. Um, you'd think that wouldn't happen, but it, it does happen. So I, I tend to put myself out there, which can be a risk sometimes, uh, but I, I let people know, uh, in my opinion, from a layman, what is the appropriate way to go. And, and just recently we started the Australian contractor community, which I don't think, I've, I don't think you would know about just yet, but no. um, it's something I started just before um, or just after COVID. Uh, just to let people know, but have a central, a central location for where contractors can come and get layman advice on um, uh, what is a contractor, what's what's your employment status, what should your contract say, should you have a, uh, an, I mean, are you an independent contractor or are you an employee? Boring stuff, I know, but it's not boring when it doesn't work. All of a sudden, <laughs> when you're in the law course, you need to know what's going on. So, you know, I, I have that there and it's, it's a site, um, a website, which is it's called uh, Australian um, Contractors. Uh, it's about 90% complete and it's also helping uh, wherever we can find roles from, from some of our recruitment companies that we participate with. We're just about to start putting them up there because uh, people are advertising roles much quicker and bypassing, bypassing is the wrong word, Finding new ways to employ people, given that they've got reduced number reduced numbers of people at work. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to help both employers, employees, anyone, and yeah, also make people like, aware of, of yeah, I things mean, they can't forget. 
it sounds like you've almost got this theme of just, um, and, and you know, I guess I preface this with the fact that I think business exists to help people, but sounds like all your businesses are really there to help people and sort of genuinely help people, not in the way that, you know, Apple, for example, or, a, or an HP would believe that they're helping people by selling them the latest laptop for $3,000 or, or whatever it may be. But, um, adding actual help um, rather than necessarily, yeah, you know, showing you the latest shiny object and, and selling it to you. Now you've been in business for what, 15 years um, across four businesses. I'm sure it's, you know, 60 years worth of business knowledge that you've, you've managed to develop. Um, what are the, what are some of the things that stand out to you as sort of mistakes or things that uh, you wouldn't, do again or you'd you'd give someone younger as a heads up watch out for these things Any, anything come to yes. mind yes what are the what are the things that um what are the what are the typical mistakes that you can make or things that you wouldn't want to do again huh that's a good question i think um i think the first one would be assuming that you know something uh getting advice off of friends uh and, and thinking that it's factual I think that's important because you can even go to say a subject matter expert and they'll give you the wrong advice. So I find having a 360 degree examination of something is just so just so important. So I think that's the first aspect. The second aspect of, of, of doing business is recognizing that you're gonna fail sometimes and, and, and not, not slitting your wrists when you do. You just say, oh, okay. You know, yeah. I yeah, mean, I've been kind you know, to yourself. Invested, yeah. you know, X amount of time, dollars, uh, and you're going to fight. I think I'll give you a good example. I uh, my, my first overseas company I, I supported uh, was an oil and gas company and provided provided them with payroll support. We grew them from no one in Australia to um, I think 200, 214 or so, two hundred and fifteen people throughout Australia in the oil and gas industry, and another two hundred and fifty in uh, Papua New Guinea. And because we worked to the beat that I spoke to you about before, day, 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 week, day, 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 week, we found that they couldn't work to the same beat because they didn't have employees that managed their contractors in the same way that we do. So that when we needed to have, say, for example, a, a timesheet and, and an invoice to pay on Tuesday, oh, they didn't really worry about that too much. So they get it to the invoice to us on Wednesday. Well, when you move, you know, $4 million dollars a week to pay these people, it just can't magically appear between one bank account and the next. Yeah. And the frustration that was caused uh, internally with us uh, was so large that you know that idea that we really had to support people that were foreign foreign owned companies, working people in Australia, twenty three million dollar contract. One day, my wife and I were just discussing it, and we said, "Hey, wouldn't it be better if we just turned it off?" So we did. And, and the lesson we learned from that mm. was we put so many mm. people under so much stress and we couldn't deliver on our brand promise of, of waking up a, a guaranteed payday on Friday because the people we were helping couldn't get us the money and couldn't get us the timesheets. So they were letting down their own team. So, yeah, pick, picking the right people, uh, you know, knowing, that you, knowing that you will make mistakes and, and how to get over it is, is just as important as well. And, um, and I think... Um, there, there would be one other thing I would say, and uh, and that is um, being being aware of the whole environment that you're working. Uh, it's just so easy to think of something in a little tiny, you know, you exist in this little little ecosystem, but you actually exist in a really really big one. And 
Yeah. Um, and I guess the the uh, yeah. the outcome from that for me is that you know we started with a, a small payroll company. We then acquired, you know, we put our own leasing company in place. We acquired a recruitment company, and it gave us that stability uh, because you never quite know when legislation is going to change. You don't think about legislation when you start business. What can happen? Payroll tax, all the all those types of things. How payroll tax in, in impacts on you as you as you move into different states and territories. So um, yeah, uh, looking at that whole ecosystem around you, the business ecosystem, and understanding it and watching it very important. I think some really good points there. I mean, talking about just the ecosystem story, it's I think or, or the 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 point there is that um, it works both ways as well. Sometimes I think people can get too too held up on what yep. is really in the grand scheme of things a small problem or a problem <laughs> that no one else actually thinks is as big a deal um um and quite you know the opposite as well where you can get so sort of uh lost in 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 your own world that you don't you don't see what's happening around you and what's changing around you because um in business um you you've got legislation that's just one thing you know you've got your competitors um who are always looking to not necessarily beat you but um at least win win more then they lose. So um, yes, they're not sort of coming after you, but it's important to keep sort of that that um, sort of eye on everything that's going on. Now, speaking of com- competitors, do you do you guys have um, sort of some some clear competitors in the market, or um, and how do you how do you handle that? We, we, we have them all over Australia, um, and and when you actually a good point you made earlier on, you know we are the you know the largest payroll company in Australia, uh, and I and I know that. Um, because we don't employ anyone other than the the eight or nine people within within payment. If I just talk about payme, I only employ my team in payme. Everyone we pay, we don't employ. Every other payroll company in Australia, they do that, but they also have a contract with, say, the government to supply labour, a workforce, and therefore they're not a payroll company anymore. They're actually under the under um, the various state legislation. They're, they actually are, are then a labour hire supplier. And that and that contradicts with the fact that you're providing you know pay pay to people. There, there have been people in this business in the past which have undermined that relationship with the recruitment company and taken the the taken the you know, the contractor away um, and looked after them themselves, which is not entirely full of well, it's not it's not full of integrity. It lacks integrity you know, so much. So um, mm-hmm. uh, I've actually just gone off. I've actually gone off on a tangent there for a second. Just, can you just refresh me on the, on the question? Again. <laughs> that's all right um so we were talking about competitors and sort of competitors yeah um, so I, I i keep a fair eye on my competitors as to how they operate <laughs> for anyone that's watched top gun actually here's a go there's one you you, you might have heard there's a there's, there's a decision cycle getting inside the the enemy's decision cycle where you, you observe um how they they operate certainly it was explained well in, in top gun but it was something something i learned in the military observe how they operate you um you orient yourself to uh, to acting a different way. Decide how you how you're going to how you're going to um, act to the threat, and then you 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 act in a way that's faster uh, than your competitors, and then you do that faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, and that's a practice that we get into uh, again through our huddle every for actually mm-hmm, our weekly yeah. meeting is we actually have in a section called we call it intelligence. Um, competitors, competitors' intelligence, where we, we bring it up and we say, what are the competitors doing so that we can act faster um, 
and not necessarily um, put them out of business or anything, uh, but be ahead of them. Because I don't like the term putting people out of business. It's no, I mean that's not your goal. It's it's not to it's not to take something away from them. It's just to reinforce what you've got. I think yeah. you know. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't have to, you know, they don't have to be the same thing. You don't have to attack someone to, to beat them. Um, That's you don't right. even have to beat someone to be better and grow. Um, it's just about having that loop and, and, um, that's another yeah de- definite benefit of that huddle idea, because I think what you're doing there is really, um, thinking faster by, by meeting every day, um, where everyone else meets weekly or, or even quarterly, what you're doing is out meeting them. And therefore I would think you've got 28 people coming in with what they've heard, what they've, what they've been told, what their friends and family have come up with. So you're getting almost, you know, um, hundreds of ideas on a daily basis or the potential for rather than every quarter. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but, um, generally I'm so busy that I forget what I even had for breakfast yesterday, let alone ideas to, you know, to mention to someone that, that oh, you know, X, Y, Z is coming up with this thing. But when it's been doing, done on a daily basis, you only need to remember it for 24 hours or it can be as simple as, oh, did you see that TV ad for this company? Um, where you wouldn't mention a TV ad in a quarterly meeting because it's a quarterly meeting. You've got much bigger things to talk about and it's probably a, a full day event. So, hey, I think I think you've got me converted and I think, uh, not, not that I was against it, but I think I'm going to talk to the team and sort of suggest that we meet for 10, 15 minutes every day. And it probably even helps sort of at an individual level to come up with your to-do list because, yeah, otherwise you just end up working on just... Pointless things Look, sometimes. you're spot on. In fact, what we find is that if, if Maria and I don't get to work on time uh, or if we uh, get distracted, the team are already lined up in the, in, the, in, in the boardroom standing up ready to huddle. They just mm. simply can't go without it. It's something they look forward to every day. It's that exchange of information, that ideas. And then, you know, we carry that on to you know, having lunch with them every day. We all sit down when we can have a break and we, we break bread have lunch with them and then have a, have, on Fridays when it's a, when it's a, usually a, a low lower pressure day, we actually have a good team lunch and, and do some lessons and uh, some professional development. And funnily enough, you know, read the Canberra, get, get the quizzes out of the Canberra Times and, <laughs> and run through those. So we have a great laugh. It just nice. helps bind the team. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is really amazing. Um, it, and and it just sort of brings in that that family f- sort of vibe. Um, it's almost like um, you know, growing up. I remember we used to do the the um puzzles and all that stuff in in the in the newspaper, and that's sort of something you do on a Sunday, and, and you're sort of bringing that to work on a, on a Friday, which is which is awesome. And it's a nice sort of positive way to even get into your weekend, so that your weekend's not not so much de-stressing and and getting prepped for another another hard week at work. It's it's um you've got into that sort of nicer sort of mindset moving in into the weekend um tell me a little bit about what you guys hope to do do moving forward um is it is it sort of um business as usual or um are you hoping to do some some um different and exciting things moving forward across the different companies and yeah look we're 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 planning on expanding and Mm. growing If if i put the payroll company aside for a moment Payroll company's going very well. We have so much business, we're actually slowing it down coming in because the demand's there. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to um, uh, over-promise 
and under the liver. So mm. we've got that there. Uh, the car leasing business, uh, it's focused on Canberra. We, at the moment, we're very lucky in Canberra where we've still got a good percentage of jobs, of good hype, of, 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 and, and anyone on any salary can benefit from having a car lease. Uh, there's two ways to run a car. Uh, the normal way, which is the most expensive, or for most people, a, a innovated lease will, will be will allow them to have a much more cost-effective way to run a company. So we're going to be focusing on that. And of course, our, our recruitment company, without in any way addressing the people that are in pay me, we're looking at uh, at supporting other other uh, contractors and doing it a way, doing it in a way. And I think this is really important. Doing it in a way that is legislative and legally correct, so that the, mm. the individual knows that they are our employee for a short-term period, which finishes at the end of every every uh, engagement, and uh, and that they know that they're employed and 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 that they have that that regular uh, contact with us and, and regular pay, uh, and they're looked after. So I'm not saying that doesn't exist in the rest of Australia. But if you go around Australia, so for with a recruitment company and ask recruiters who is the employer of these contractors, you'll get an you'll get answers from oh, everyone except me. We're not the employer. Mm-hmm. Um, the payroll company is the employer. Uh, but really, if you control somebody, you hire and fire them. You're the employer. Yeah, yeah. Especially in Australia, with the with the legislation in place, you don't have to call yourself an employer to be the employer in the eyes of the law. Um, you can you can give yourself whatever terminology you want. I mean, even in a lot of cases, I think I've heard of a lot of contractors who are actually employees. If you look at the government sort of the legislated definitions around it, just because you pay them, you know, for uh, in a different structure to to what what you would an employee. You, for all intents and purposes, they are an employee. You are just um, illegally paying them as a contractor because it's better for better for you. Exactly, and you know we won't do business with people that want to say to a worker, "Go and create your own propriety limited company, and then we'll employ you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that that is contrary to the Fair Work Act, and I'll tell people that, and they can choose to believe it, and then act within the law. Or if they don't believe it, they can go to someone else. I don't care, but I'm not getting involved in something that's that's contrary to the law and puts that worker at risk. Um, so yeah, we're that philosophy uh, is something that we're putting across Australia. Simple philosophy. It's just integrity. And uh, so we've got some ideas to expand um, effective people. And we're with our business coach. We're investigating those in the last week of this month. Uh, with our key our key leadership team, uh, and also considering a couple of acquisitions. That's you know, unfortunately, it's a good time for acquisitions because it's not mm-hmm. not a good time for many businesses. But an acquisition can help people keep keep jobs and can help delivering those services to uh, to people that would lose them if those companies went under. So we, we see it as a good opportunity to do something something more yeah. and continue to help the community. And uh, and for us at the moment, it, you know, our focus is certainly as I get a bit older is um, on the veteran community. Mm-hmm. Really focusing in on on the unique skills that veterans bring to Australia, uh, to, to the workplace, I should say, and and and, and understanding um, how the older veteran like me is quite comfortably looked after through Veterans Affairs, and the younger veteran uh, is very very frustrated and not and not getting through to uh, 
to Veterans Affairs and, uh, and other locations. And it's not, not, not through lack of trying, but I'm trying to identify why that communication isn't occurring without upsetting anybody. Uh, you know, it's just a, a teamwork thing. So, so they're, they're things we're putting our, our corporate social responsibility into, uh, into um, assisting veterans in having employment, uh, understanding how they move from, from uh, the uniform job into, a, say, a, a contract role. And lately, one of our later initiatives is, is, is we can assist them with security clearances. So long as we've got a job for them to go to, we can assist them with security clearances, which in the past were quite hard. So, yeah, no, we, we've got our five-year plan as to where we want to go. And, um, and we've achieved our five-year plan uh, every year that we've, since we first did it, which I think was about 2008. That's that's awesome. I think I think again, it speaks for um, having a plan to, to to help and assist with knowing where you want to go and where you're heading as well. I think having that that plan always helps. And um, just touching on your point about the acquisitions as well, I think um, rather than you know, given the given the current climate, for better or worse, one you can help a, a company that would otherwise um, go bust, and then everyone else involved would would suffer. But um, also from from the other point of view you can acquire the goodwill the branding the marketing and the efforts that someone else has already put in yeah. rather than going out there and having to um expend a lot of energy and money um to to you know what is really um a gamble to see if you'll even get get to that same position that as someone has so um um, I, I think a lot of people look at acquisitions as sort of this negative thing or um, sort of this, I don't even know, like like a whale just eating up the the smaller fry, but you've got to look at it in the, the, the opposite as well. Um, I've heard of people who who are not in a space at all, who don't even have a business, who just acquire a business because they've got the financial resources to and get into business that way and then grow the business from there. So yeah, that, that's really exciting for oh, you thank guys. You. Yeah, no, it's, um, and, we, and look, we, we manage it all centrally from here in, in Brisbane because these days, you know, uh, and I think this is how we, when, when COVID hit, we didn't miss a beat. I think the only thing I had to buy was four wireless modems to uh, to help some people that didn't have enough bandwidth at their home. Uh, mm. Our infrastructure was already in place uh, to support re- re- remote um, operations because our business continuity plan needed it. Because you, you know, we had people in Brisbane, the Brisbane River floods, so we've got to be able to work at home. People in Canberra, you know, if, if the building burnt down, we'd have to operate externally from home. So we've always had that there and we've used it, by the way. And for, for real, we've practiced it. So it, it worked well and, and it also helps with acquisitions and expansions because you just bolt it on and it continues to grow. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Where can people find out more about you and um, your oh, businesses? Well, Pay Me Group, our website, Pay Me Group, is just a very high-level summary of the of three companies, the three main companies, and it takes it takes it through to the websites. Uh, and, of course, locally, I, I really can't go past the, the Riot Act. The Riot mm. Act... Uh, hear the stories about uh, our successes and failures and, and you can identify Pay Me, Alliance Leasing and Effective People uh, just by going to the Riot Act and you'll be able to identify the personalities because their, their, their photos will be there uh, and a little bit about them and a little bit about us. Awesome. Amazing. Um, are you ready to roll into the hey, top let's 12? Let's see how we go, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get into it. Um, so the top three books or podcasts that you recommend? I'm really into books. Uh, I, I am, and uh, I think the uh, the most important one to me is a is a fable. Uh, well, it's called uh, the Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Pat Lencioni. 
The second one is Leadership in Action by uh, uh, Major General John Cantwell. Mm-hmm. And the third one is actually the Rockefeller Habits that we've spoken about today. Um, I, I certainly recommend reading the Rockefeller Habits but also attending a seminar that's put on by, by, by a, a trainer because the book itself's a little dry uh, and you don't get some of the excitement that I enjoy out of it. But they're the three books that I, I uh, regularly revisit. Awesome. Um, top three software tools that you can't live without? Uh, yeah, the top three tools for me are firstly uh, Microsoft Office 365 and, and SharePoint. It's there. No matter where you are in the world, uh, you can get access and get access securely and you can use it. Um, internally within the company, uh, the intranet, uh, which is, uh, for those who don't know about intranets, it's just a, uh, a central place to, um, uh, to, to, to go to, to, to find out um, uh, the key pieces of information, the, the knowledge base that, that occurs within the company, so you don't have to find it in all the places that are usually hidden in a business. And, and thirdly, uh, our strategic planning tool. Uh, you know, I look back on that every day. Uh, where was I supposed to go? How, how how am I getting towards it? They're the three pieces of software that I can't do without. What what tool is that? Is that is that a um, tool that you guys have developed, or is that an external sort of software that you've purchased? No, again, I, again, I I do purchase the, the um, strategic planning software. It's called Lime. Um, it's made made by actually uh, uh, a company that works with um, the person that came up with the Rockefeller habits, oh, okay. Burn Harnish. Um, so again, I can start the day every day uh, by looking at um, an electronic version of a huddle, uh, prepare the week uh, with the electronic uh, a, a way of recording um, what I plan to do and most importantly, what people said last week that they were going to achieve so we can hold each other accountable to it and then in the long run, you know, what, what, what's our purpose? Uh, what are our core values? Uh, all those things are there in in perpetuity, and we can review them. Yeah, wow, year. amazing! I didn't know such a thing existed, but um, sounds like a handy tool. Um, the top three mantras you try and live oh, by. Oh, unquestionably, yeah. People do business with people they trust. That's uh, that, that's you've got to have fun doing business. Uh, if you go somewhere and see someone, uh, nothing in your hand, nothing in your head, uh, is a phrase we use. Uh, so you, know, you always take a notebook. And when you go and see someone, otherwise you're not showing that you've got interest in what they're doing. And the last one is the fundamental thing to everything that we do within PayMe Group, unquestionable integrity. Love it. Love it. Um, and the last one, top three people you follow or study and why? <sighs> so I guess I'm a little bit old school. I, I like to look at uh, what people have done and learnt from lessons from them. So uh, uh, I look at Weary Dunlop from mm-hmm. from World War World War Two, and I think he, he he passed away in perhaps the early two thousands. I can't recall now. But his characteristics of of being fair, firm, and friendly uh, are something that I, that I hold near and dear. And the fact that he, he dedicated his whole life to helping people uh, um, after the war, Second World War. Likewise, um, Major General uh, Pompey Elliot, who many people won't have heard of today, but if you were alive in World War One. You unquestionably would have heard of Pompey Elliot. He, in fact, he opened he, he opened more Anzac uh, uh, memorials than, than anybody else ever has, and sadly passed away uh, through what's now known as post-traumatic stress disorder uh, sometime wow. after World War One, uh, when he was practicing his his troop, his other profession, which was uh, a lawyer. Uh, but the, the the stresses of losing 
people during the war uh, and other things uh, got to him. And and likewise, um, uh, John Campbell, who uh, uh, I did my initial training with in the army, uh, and he he grew from being a private soldier uh, to being, uh, the best of my knowledge anyway, the only person promoted on the battlefield to Major General since World War II. Uh, he was promoted to Major General um, uh, in... Uh, some of the, the recent campaigns, and then came back to be chief of army, but he was suffering bad post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, and, and couldn't uh, take up that role. And he's now no longer in the army, of course, but he, he, he wrote um, Leadership in Action. And the, uh, the concepts and ideas in that book don't just apply to military, they apply to anybody. Uh, and I think that, that sums up him because a normal fellow, uh, not someone that you'd always characterise as purely military, Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that was a very solid top 12, Ian. Um, and thanks for your time um, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, my pleasure, Jim. It's really been great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Future Tribe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. 